Hi, and welcome to Tax Planning Pointers with Baker Newman Noise. I'm Jean McDevitt Bullens, and I'm here with my colleague, Jim Garino. Say hi, Jim. Hi, Jean. 2020 has been a year of immense and unpredictable change for everyone. The tax landscape has not been immune. This podcast is one in a three-part series from the BNN Private Client Services Practice to discuss federal estate planning concerns and opportunities in 2020 and beyond. So let's dive in. Today, we're going to share some next steps, action steps, if you will, that you can take to take advantage of the planning techniques and strategies that we've been discussing in the other episodes in this series. If you haven't had a chance to listen to those, you can find them at bnncpa.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Jim, let's kind of step back and assess where we've been. We've we've talked about why this is an issue right now. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the election, the fiscal climate. We've talked about valuation, interest rates. We've talked about a couple of strategies and alluded to many, 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 many more strategies being available if folks feel like now is the time when they feel comfortable to take next steps in a, in a large gifting strategy. Folks that have been listening to this, if they've made the determination for themselves that, okay, this seems like the right decision for me to make a big gift or a gift, but a sizable gift is what we're talking about today, and now is the right time, what are the next steps? What, what should that client be thinking and doing? And mm. when? <laughs> mm-hmm. Trick question, right? Today. Well, yeah, that, that is absolutely number one is you, we should be doing all of this yesterday, actually. You know, time is of the essence. But my biasness towards being an accountant and a financial planner are going to uh, rear their ugly heads right about now because I'm going to focus on two things. One, from an accounting standpoint, I think everybody really needs to kind of do whether it's a mental or actual pencil and paper type accounting of their own personal assets. And in the accounting world, we call we call it a balance sheet. You, you have to do an accounting for what are my assets and what are my liabilities and do this mental inventory of assets that make sense to transfer, to take advantage of gifting or or the estate exemption, and also deciding which assets can I absolutely not part with. Because from, from a personal financial planning point of view, I think one of the things that keeps my clients awake at night is this fear of outliving their money or outliving their wealth. And so, I think it would be very easy to fall into the trap if you've listened to our two earlier podcasts to think, oh my goodness, this is a once in a lifetime deal. I've got to take advantage of it. I've got to utilize my exemption. I've got to transfer all this wealth. And then all of a sudden you realize that you don't have anything to live on. You've given it away. And that can be a very, very scary feeling. So what I would highly suggest is that everyone go through this asset inventory for themselves and figure out which assets do I need to keep, which assets can I afford to give away, and then also fast forward into the future and say, well, given a life expectancy of X amount of years, I'm going to need Y amount of dollars in order 
to live comfortably. And so, Gene, what I'm trying to do is scare everybody right <laughs> now, right? Because this is a prolonged process. It takes time to think through. You don't want to transfer something that you're going to need to live on somewhere down the road. Yet, you also don't want to die and have the government take over 40% of your wealth in estate tax. So it's a very, very slippery slope in terms of figuring out how much wealth can I afford to give away and how much wealth do I need to keep just to maintain my current lifestyle. Gene, do your clients get nervous when you talk to them about giving away their wealth and more or less start questioning, well, if I give this wealth away, what am I going to live on? Have, sure. have they crossed yeah. that bridge? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, I mean, people work hard for what they have and to simply give it away without giving due consideration to what will be left after the gift and how the remainder might change. You know, is it is it still producing cash flow that, you know, that I can live on or is it an asset that isn't productive? You know, there are lots of I think I think cash flow, I think you're right, cash flow is where this is at. Yeah, you know, if if you don't have enough cash to live on, it's not going to be a good situation. Mm. So, mm. you know, you can be rich in assets and basically give it away the wrong assets if you will. And you know, if you didn't keep something that's going to keep a stream coming in, that's going to keep up with inflation, that's going to keep up with your cost of living, then this there will be problems down the road. This is uh part science, but it's it's part art too. You know, there's a lot of emotion involved in all of these decisions. But I, I love your suggestion about the balance sheet. To me, that is key. When a client comes to talk to me about, you know, what they might be able to do from gifting strategy, estate planning strategy, uh, if you don't have a personal balance sheet, a personal financial statement, that is the place, that is the place to start. Hey Gene, if I if I could just kind of throw in this example that I use with with my students, when we talk about the difficulties of trying to do estate planning, I'd, I'd like the audience to kind of have this visual. What I tell my students is, let's just say that an individual owns a Picasso. Or, or I, in fact, what, what I did was I used the Mona Lisa as my example. And I said, well, what, what if you actually owned the Mona Lisa? And that was the only asset that you owned. And let's say the value of the Mona Lisa, let's just make it funky, right? Let's say it's $80 million. Well, on one hand, you're pretty wealthy, right? You own the Mona Lisa and, and your balance sheet is $80 million, okay? Well, the problem is that even right now with the, the large exemption being a little over $11.5 million, almost $70 million of Mona Lisa is going to be taxed. And there's going to be an estate tax Right now, it would be 40%. So where would the money come from if, in fact, you died owning the Mona Lisa? You can't just carve off a piece of Mona Lisa's head and say, well, there's my 40% estate tax, right? Right, right. So the problem and the opportunity is how do we – and let's just say the Mona Lisa is not an asset that my family wants to sell. They want to keep it in the Garino family forever, right? And so how do we retain the Mona Lisa and still pay the government 40% of estate tax? And I think that's where this kind of planning becomes so integral. Because if you haven't talked to someone 
and you haven't gotten advice as far as utilizing maybe a life insurance policy or figuring out other ways to maintain the Mona Lisa, but also save estate taxes and or pay the government some form of estate tax on the value of the Mona Lisa, then more than likely what's going to happen is you're going to have to do something that you absolutely don't want to do. Sell the Mona Lisa just to obtain the amount of cash that you need to pay the estate tax. And so that's where this kind of planning can be very, very instrumental, is talking to advisors who can lay out different suggestions, alternatives, and solutions so that upon death, you get to keep the Mona Lisa, you minimize your estate tax, and yet there's still a permissible amount of cash flow there from other sources to allow you to pay your estate tax. I hope that example has the same impact on our audience as it does on my <laughs> students, because I get them to go bug-eyed when I tell no, them that, that example. It's a scary proposition, that's for sure. <laughs> both, both the best and the worst of worlds. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So, you know, obviously these conversations, they're conversations that, that you and I have with our clients every day. All of our partners have these client, these conversations with their clients every day. Who else, who else is involved in the mix and who needs to be brought in sort of pronto? Yeah, I think, you know, we've, we've alluded to this and outright said it, I think, in the past, which is we, we, we've got to secure other advisors. And especially if we're dealing with legal drafting, um, estate planning attorneys are instrumental to this process. And if, if again, if we're talking about third-party valuations and appraisers need to be secured, we've got to make sure that we get on their calendar so that they've got plenty of time to go through their valuation approach and provide the fair market values that we need to make decisions in terms of how much are we actually transferring here, especially if it's a closely held business, which yeah. historically, is, is it, it takes some time to value. It does. I think the business valuation appraisers have been busy all year long, so... Mm -hmm. uh, I think getting on their calendar at this point is going to be a is going to be a struggle. But obviously, you got to make that call and and find out what the yes. what the possibilities are. Even real estate uh, appraisers right now mm -hmm. are really backed up. You know, people are refinancing homes and sales of homes are going through uh, in many in many marketplaces. Even something that seems relatively straightforward to do as as real estate is you know as compared to a business valuation uh, even even those folks are are quite busy so absolutely just another reminder to folks that if if these are things that you want to be doing then you've got to make the calls sooner rather than than later so i think jim you know what we're saying here is essentially contacting people but contacting them with enough time that they can do their mm -hmm. job well, right? right. You don't right. want to be paying your professional advisors to be doing a rush job mm -hmm. when it's really not necessary. These are complicated transactions potentially and potentially complicated documents. And you want folks to be able to take their time, think them through, do them well so that you can accomplish the goals that you set out and, and get it done properly. Precisely. So, I mean, at the very least, it seems to me a meeting with your estate planning attorney is probably warranted for many people anyway in these changing times because you can 
you may need to update basic estate planning documents. Is there mm-hmm. anything that you kind of like to add there that would be useful to our audience today? Well, I, th- I, I think just going through the the standard list of estate planning documents and making sure that everything is up to date, whether it's your will, power of attorney, healthcare proxy, your living will. Um, I mean, depending upon the last time that you visited these estate plan documents, maybe things have changed. You know, maybe family relationships have changed. Maybe some people have passed on. For instance, the person that was going to be on the power of attorney, maybe you know, unfortunately, maybe they're not here anymore. And yet you haven't updated that particular document. So I think if nothing else, it doesn't mean that you need to do any estate or or wealth transfers, but I think it still makes sense to revisit these documents and make sure that they're up to snuff. And, you know, Gene, one thing that we really haven't focused on at all is the the elephant in the room, which is everybody gets $15,000 a year. To give away. Yep. And we call it the annual exclusion, right? The annual gift exclusion of $15,000. So that's something that, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about millions and millions of dollars of a state exemption here, but it might be very, very basic and simple to just consider whether or not gifting $15,000 per year per person makes sense. If, if I've got three children and they're married and I've got pretty comfortable level of of assets, I could give away $15,000 per child and $15,000 per their spouse. In effect, I've just given away $60,000 this year, no questions asked. So again, sometimes we miss the real simple, the low-hanging fruit, the the real basic stuff. But I I wanted to make sure that, that our audience understood that it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. You know, it can be this piecemeal approach, and it might be as small as that $15,000 annual gift that we make to each person that's part of our family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You can, you can definitely make some significant wealth transfers over, over time, taking mm-hmm. advantage of the annual exclusion. The other one that's a good one to mention that some folks may not know is that if someone pays for someone else's education... Ah or medical expenses, as long as it's paid directly to the provider, so directly to the school, for instance, or directly to a hospital or other medical professional, that's excluded entirely as well. So that's a a good one to to work with as well. No, I I think you nailed it, Gene. That that again, you know, we, we sometimes we we miss those small little beneficial planning opportunities that can really be very very powerful, especially <laughs> these days with the cost of tuition. Paying for one year's worth of tuition at a at a private college could could get you well over fifty or sixty thousand dollars in one year. Paying that tuition bill directly to the institution. That I, I think that's an excellent excellent planning point. Yep, definitely pays to take advantage of the things that we have that we can work with. And those things are great because they don't change. (laughs) There's an element of consistency in a world of (laughs) inconsistency. That's true. Um, You know, Jim, we've been focusing uh, here exclusively on the federal estate tax, but certainly we don't want to um, completely uh, avoid talking a little bit about state estate tax issues, at least to highlight for folks that 
many states do have their own estate tax. Uh, we happen to be in New England, and so there's a few more here than there are in other, some other parts of the country. But you know, they each may have their own estate tax exemption amount, and so you may have two systems. You may have more than two systems if you have property in multiple states or if you've changed residency from one state to another. So there's a lot of factors there to be mindful of as well. Yeah, for sure. You know, being being he- located here in Massachusetts, we, we were we were talking um, previously how the Massachusetts estate tax exemption is a million dollars. You know, at the federal level right now, it's over 11 and a half million. But in Massachusetts, it's only 1 million. And for anyone who's got a half decent retirement plan and, and who owns real estate, you're going to you're gonna bump over that 1 million mark pretty quick mm-hmm. and fairly easily. So um, again, as Jean said, we've been focusing at the federal level, but there's sure plenty to do at the state level as well. And if you do change residence, if you do change your residency to another state for various reasons, it's what you leave behind, whether or not you have a second vacation home that you leave behind, whether you have a business interest that you leave behind. And again, that's another reason why it makes sense to talk to your professionals early and often, because these are the kinds of things that you may not necessarily think about. And you want to work with an advisor who's who's thinking on your behalf, who's thinking ahead of the game for you so that you get to go to sleep at night and and you know that they've got your back when it comes to this type of planning. Yeah, absolutely. Don't forget that we're all here as resources and we want to be helpful and we want to uh, help you plan and make good decisions and, and, and take advantage of the opportunities that are available to you. So mm-hmm. good, good mm-hmm. conversation, Jim. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed this. Thanks so much, Jean. Thank you. Well, Jim, thank you for joining me and thank you for such a great discussion. These issues and planning tips are so critical to so many of our clients and others during this challenging year. You're right, Jean, and and you're very welcome. Thank you for chatting with me as well. Of course. And finally, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. I hope you found this information helpful and are walking away feeling a bit more informed. Again, this podcast is part of a three-part series on state tax planning in 2020. Check out our other episodes, which are available at bnncpa.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time. Tax Planning Pointers is brought to you by Baker Newman Noyes and the BNN Private Client Services Practice. Your hosts were Jean McDevitt Bullins and Jim Guarino. The information contained in this episode of Tax Planning Pointers is based on data available as of the date of its release. BNN is under no obligation to update this information as changes occur. BNN podcasts, events, and publications are intended to provide general information to our clients and friends. It does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice, nor is it intended to convey a thorough treatment of the subject matter. The information in this podcast may or may not apply to your individual situation. Consult a tax professional for help applying these concepts to your personal circumstances. Please contact Baker Newman Noyes for additional assistance at info at bnncpa.com. More information can be found online at bnncpa.com.